This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to Busted Wide Open, our patron mailbag series, episode number 41. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And that's right, welcome to the mailbag episode where we answer your questions. <laughs> Yes, it's a, we it's answer a questions on now, this show guess, right? from the mailbag, <laughs> from the mailbag that we get from our patrons, our lovely patrons. You too can be a patron over at patreon.com forward slash BWO. Thank you to everyone who asked questions this week, everyone who helps support this show, who gives their hard earned money to help us do this thing that we love here. And thank you for listening. So, yes, that's what we're doing today, <laughs> Nick. I, I, I don't need more than that. That was it. It was, uh, it was we're doing questions today. Our patrons asked them. Thank you to our patrons. We love all of them. Thank you for listening. Let's answer some questions. BWOPodcast.com, Patreon.com. Yeah. If you want to get your question in yeah. every single week, Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers over there. All you need to be in is the $5 tier, and every single week you can send in your questions too. Uh, but again, reminder for everybody, make sure you tune in uh, to our Discord community because we got Slammiversary tonight and Extreme Rules happening tomorrow night, plus live chats all throughout the week. So make sure you get into our Discord. Also, just a heads up, we are moving to Twitch in two weeks from today. We will be debuting all of our live streams over on Twitch. We're still going to have the YouTube channel. We're still going to have BWO Daily. We're still going to have lots of on-demand kind of content, but the lives are moving to Twitch. Uh, in the near future, I will be doing a live session, doing a walkthrough of Twitch, how you can interact and how you can support and do all those kinds of things. But, and I will explain a lot of the reasons behind the move. So I'll let you guys know more information Ooh. about the logic behind all of this very, very soon. Stay tuned. More coming soon. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast, BWOPodcast.com for all of these links, or you can find them in the description down below right here on YouTube. Lots of great questions today, Sir Ian Dangerous. Uh, yes. Kicking things look off with Mr. Martin. How you doing, sir? He says, good day, Martin, gents. Hope you're both good. I'm doing pretty good, Martin. Hope yeah, you are yeah, as well. Quite good. Quite good. Thank you. Can you cast a live-action hmm. He-Man and Masters of the Universe movie? I feel like we've done this one before. Have we done this one? Yeah, uh, we did. No, we haven't, but I can I can cast it for you right now. Okay, go. Um, he-Man he is played by Dolph Lundgren. 
You've got Frank Langella as Skeletor. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Courtney Cox is, can be in it. Meg Foster can play Evil Lynn. Um, that's uh, actually the sure He-Man movie Billy, cast. Billy Barty. Right, right. What's your point? I think he I means, can movie. we cast it with wrestlers? Oh! Not the actual cast of the terrible E-Man movie. Oh! It's one of the worst movies of oh. all time. Literally. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is perfect in that movie. Um, yeah, it pissed me off as a kid. I'm not going to lie. Right. That movie pissed me off. Yeah. I, I appreciate it now, but as a kid, I was so mad. Um, huh. All right, so let's see. Evil Lynn, I'm going to say Shotzi Blackheart. Oh. Um, Orko, Marco Stunt. He's already sounding like Marco. It's Morco, Morco. Morco. There you go. That's Orko, what it is, yeah. Morco. Um, you've got... Uh, um, I'm going to go Skeletor played by Pentagon Jr. By Pentagon... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Uh Tila, Becky Lynch, the what is it, the the sorceress in the castle can be Charlotte. Um who else? Let's who else uh Man at Arms should be uh Brian Cage. Arn Anderson. I was going to say Arn Anderson, Man in Arns. Man, man, in, man, man in, in Arns. Man in Arns. Um, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm not sold on Skeletor. I think Bill Alfonso should play Skeletor. Really? Here it looks, here it looks like him. Yeah? I mean, Pentagon looks like him more. He's got the paint. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and he just runs around yelling in really fast Spanish. Just... <laughs> That's true. Bill Zero. Alfonso, Skeletor. Zero. Skeletor would never get a, a, a word out. He'd just sit there and blow a whistle the entire time. Right. Um, I'm sure we could find something for Bill Alfonso who, to do. Who, Let's who see. Who the else cat was there? That he rides? Oh, um, uh, Cringer was his name when he was just a cat. But then, uh, oh, and by the way, Sonny Kiss should play Prince Adam. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, whoever he is when he's E Man. Um, Actually, that'd be kind of interesting. He-Man played by Cody, and then Sonny Kiss could be Prince Adam. That's I'm not mad at that. Uh, I, I, I'm, Cringer, I'm and, Cringer that. and Battle Cat. Cringer and Battle Cat. Battle Cat. That's what I was thinking of. Battle Cat. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. That could just be Pharaoh. There you go. Done. Done. Son. Sold. Done. Thank you very much, Martin. Good. Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Abraham Castillo up next. Ass up, guys. What's up? <sighs> I wanted to ask you one simple question. Should be a quick answer. Would you prefer hmm. WWE as Marvel and AEW as DC or the other way around? Thank you again for the first time. Podcaster guys, you dudes are all right. <laughs> th th thanks, buddy. Thanks, thanks. man. <laughs> um, that's tough. I'm, I'm actually so... Huh. Uh, a okay, so AEW feels more like Marvel. It does because they you've got, got more nuanced together. characters. Well, they've got they've got more nuanced characters. Marvel was always about the character. DC was about the iconography, and it became more about the characters as Marvel started to pull away from them um, and create more rounded characters and more interesting comic books. You know, it was more about the angst of the characters than it was about them just fighting guys for the sake of fighting guys. Yeah, uh, you had more street level stories, right? Spider Man's a great idea, great great um, example of that. 
even Fantastic Four, all the crazy shit that happened to them, it was still about them being a family first. Right. That was more the where the grist of the, the the everything came from. Whereas, you know, Superman, it was like, well, is he going to make out with Lois Lane or not? <laughs> you know, that was he didn't start getting depth until you started getting some of the stories in the 70s um, where everything like once Marvel really kind of picked up steam. Um, and I, you know, Alan Moore did some great early stuff. Uh, there's a Superman annual uh, that, that they did one year where Superman's forced to go back and relive like what would happen if Krypton didn't explode. And that's a really awesome one. That's some good work there. Obviously, Batman got a lot darker in the 70s. And then in the 80s with Frank Miller, uh, you had a lot more depth come into Batman. So if I had to, if I had to pick which one was which, I would, I would say AEW is doing more nuanced stuff, letting stuff simmer, um, more character work. And WWE is very concerned with iconography, creating larger than life. Superman, Hulk Hogan was Superman essentially. Um, and you know, you, the, the nuance is there, but not in the way that it is with Marvel where they feel more like real life people. Right. So if I had to pick, I would say WWE, DC, AEW, Marvel. Yeah. You, uh, you, even though, even though really it's more kind of like AEW dark horse, but sure. now, now we're getting that picture. Uh, you and I are in alignment on that for sure. Thank you very much, Abraham. Uh, there you go. And thank you for thank the you. Uh, for the hat tip for being for first time yeah, podcasters. As a, as a, Appreciate it. As a first time listener, you're pretty. You're all right yeah. as well. Nice. Uh, Brandon is next up. Says, "Hey, fellas, what are some scary and or interesting stories you have heard from actors doing method acting?" I've got a couple. Ooh, I got a couple too. Um, why don't you go first? We'll we'll trade off. Um, we'll do we'll do my favorite. Let's do let's do two each. Let's do two each. Okay, so my favorite one to to share is Christian Bale. Oh, you son of a bitch! <sighs> so, uh, okay. if you put it in a timeline perspective, um, he I'll put this in three movies: um, American Psycho, yes. The Machinist, and Dark Knight. So yes. the story is uh, he he literally got into shape. He is the reason that American Psycho was ever actually made. He fought for it. It was his first big role. You know, yep. not bigger. I mean, he did uh, Last Emperor and yeah, I was a kid. He was little a kid, kid right? He did, new, he did newsies, the newsies. Like, yeah, that's what he was known yeah. for as a child actor. And then went away and did others. Did theater for a while and then came back yep. and uh, really hooked into this novel Amer of American Psycho and the adaptation for the film. And the the writer came and got him and he got into incredible shape. If you've seen American Psycho, you know what incredible shape he was in. Um, and then the next film project that he did was one called The Machinist. Which is a little indie movie about a guy who was a machine shop operator, and he dropped down to I think it was 105 pounds, 110 pounds, and his. They asked him in an interview one time how he dropped that weight, and he said the only thing he ever ate was an apple and Marlboro Lights. Mm -hmm. That was it. And he had he actually had a, a poster of a Holocaust victim on his wall, yeah. and a mirror next to it, and he would compare himself yep. to a Holocaust victim. If you've ever seen The Machinist, you just basically go on YouTube and just Google it. To, and just watch a clip from it to see how horrifyingly skinny so here's, Christian Bale is. Here's where the fun part of the story comes in. While he was on set filming The Machinist, Christopher Nolan was putting together the Dark Knight trilogy project. So he was casting for it, and the casting director basically was just over the moon about Christian Bale's performance in American Psycho, said he was amazing, would be amazing for to play Batman, and so this casting director took Christopher Nolan to the set of The Machinist with 105-pound Christian Bale 
and said, said that's your next He's my Batman. Batman. <laughs> and Christopher Nolan looked at, at the, that casting director and went, you're, you're, you're out of your damn mind. And right. he walked up to Christopher. They had a chat, and he says, can you get, to, can you get back to Batman size in a couple of, like six in, within six to eight months? And he's like, yeah. So he went on this, yeah. he went on this Russell Crowe-esque bender, packed back on over 100 pounds, got back into shape, and Dark Knight happened. Or sorry, excuse me, Batman Begins happened, where he had all those crazy scenes. That's my, that's my probably most notable one that I, that I know of from a method standpoint. Um, how about, which, which, one, which one do you have? Um, also on the weight loss tip, the one, the couple that I always think of, like two, there's two weight loss ones I always think of. Obviously, you could talk about De Niro and Raging Bull and his going back and forth between Cape Fear and his, his, his body transformations there. But, um, and one of the more famous ones is Matthew McConaughey recently with Dallas Buyers Club yep. dropping 40 pounds and coming back um, after being away for a while. And like one of his co stars saw him and just started just bursting into tears, crying because he looked so scary. Um, obviously, Tom Hanks did it as, as a stunt in Castaway where they stopped filming for six months for him to go drop the weight. And, you know, they just basically had the two No, two no, halves it was the, the other movie. way around. So the, the, the fun story about Castaway is they filmed the second half first. So he, he, he lost all the weight. I thought it was the other way around. No, he, so he, he grew the beard out and lost all the weight. They filmed the second half, and then he went away for six months, put the weight back on, and shaved the beard, and they filmed the first half. Well, there you go. Either way, it's a fluctuation. But the one that, I, that, that no one really knows about, Matt Damon. In a movie called Courage Under Fire, mm. which is an old, uh, it's kind of like a, a U.S. military remake of Rashomon. And uh, Denzel Washington's going around trying to figure out what went wrong on this op in Iraq. And um, it was before Matt Damon was Matt Damon. Like, it was before Goodwill Hunting. It was right, right around the time of Goodwill Hunting, but uh, before. So he wasn't anybody yet. But he'd been in some movies, him and Ben Affleck. But he wasn't a big actor. And in the movie, he had to go from looking like he was a soldier in some scenes, to being a heroin addict and all messed up in other scenes. He had to drop a bunch of pounds. And before he had any money. So he did it all himself, and he messed up his heart doing it. Mm. He dropped weight so quickly and so precipitously and in, not, in an unhealthy way that he actually had to take, I don't know if he still does, but he had to take heart pills for years afterwards because mm. he messed up his heart doing that. So uh, what's another one for you? Uh, I was going to do Tom Hanks' Castaway. Oh, were you? Those, those are the okay, two that stand out for me. And, and the, well, way, and the way that they were filmed is, is also the, the jumping between roles and, and the various things. So if you've got another one, go for it. I've got a couple more. You've got Jim Carrey as the Grinch where he actually had to, they had to bring in a, um, a special ops guy, a guy who'd been trained by the military uh, on withstanding torture techniques to train Jim Carrey how to be in that Grinch outfit because apparently it was so painful and irritating and it messed up his, like his eyes were in pain. He had to actually undergo torture training to be in that outfit every day. Um, and that's one. But the other one that, uh, that popped up, when you talk about method acting, there's only one person you can really talk about. And that's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. And the, I can't think of anything more insane and in method. Like You can talk about Jim Carrey, Man on, the, Man on the Moon, or The Grinch. But go look up Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot, mm. yep. where he plays a, plays a paraplegic who can only move his foot. And he lived that way for six months. He, had, he lived the way a paraplegic would for six months 
He had someone help him go to the bathroom, get in bed. He didn't. He was in a wheelchair. Didn't move anything but his left foot for six months. That is commitment. That's insanity. I mean, he's in a bunch of stunts. I call them stunts because it's insane. Like he's he built his own house in a scarlet letter. You know the way that they would have in the in the in in those days, two hundred years ago, right? He learned how to make shoes to play a cobbler. Like he has done some insane stuff over the years. That's the one I always go, Jesus, dude, come on. There's some uh, JB just reminded me. She was talking about Jared Leto doing um, Joker and some of the stories Jared around Heath Ledger uh, becoming Joker and how he would the way that he fell into that role and literally became the Joker. Um, Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, that, buddy. I think that a, lot of that's, a lot of that's apocryphal, though, because like, there's also stories about him coming by the set and no one recognizing him. I mean, just being a dude that's hanging around with a skateboard and no one had idea, any idea who he was. Meanwhile, Jared Leto thinking he has to do the same thing and is like sending, like, like bringing like, rotten pig parts to, to the set. Everyone on that set of Suicide Squad hated his ass. Like even Will Smith, like they were all just like, dude, there's there's being method and there's being unprofessional, and he got a reputation for crossing over into being unprofessional on Suicide Squad, so that's an interesting uh, juxtaposition between the two. Got it. Yep. So, yeah, good one, Brandon. There you go. There you go, Brandon. Fun stuff. Nice. Uh, let's. Oop, I had to refresh the page. There's still questions coming in. We're gonna get them all, guys. I promise. Uh, Yardy is next up. What's up, man? He says hello, lovelies. I uh, hope you hello. all are having a nice weekend. Uh, yes. My question this week is what are some of the best wrestlers in you guys' opinion that has crossed over or come from the MMA world? Thanks for being amazing. Thank you, Yardy. That's a, that's a wide question because they've done MMA or um, they, they've trained in MMA or they've come from like they've actually been in competitions because there's a lot. I mean, you've, I mean, more in, I'd say there's a lot in Japanese wrestling and they have been for a while because of Antonio Noki getting obsessed with shoot fighting back in the late 80s and early 2000s and creating um, the Inoki Genome Project and having a whole bunch of professional wrestlers who came from MMA and legit MMA guys fighting pre-existing pro wrestlers and just the debacle that that was. But that's where we got guys like Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Minoru Suzuki was involved in MMA way back in the day. Um, and there's still a lot of guys in New Japan who've trained in MMA um, who've then gone to New Japan. Obviously, you can't escape guys like Brock Lesnar, who started off as wrestlers, shoot wrestlers in college, came to WWE, did professional wrestling for a couple of years, and then left and then ended up getting into MMA and being wildly successful. And I think he's, he's the fluke on that. He's the only guy who like went and became wildly successful. Jake Hager had a couple of matches, but yeah, let's Bellator be clear. They were, it's not, they were kind of set up. Yeah. yeah, they were set up. Like they weren't, they, These guys weren't nothing he was fighting, but... They weren't something. <laughs> I, I hearken back to the Steve Blackmans and the Ken Shamrocks and the the guys that yeah. did that kind of stuff back in the nineties. And those were hard mother effers. Those were guys who were on the ground floor when when UFC was the wild west and you could do some gnarly shit yeah. in UFC back in the day. Uh, there's a lot of stuff now that's illegal that was legal back then, and these were the baddest dudes in the room. So Ken Shamrock has to be mentioned. Yeah. You have to mention Shamrock, um, especially as a progenitor of that coming into today where you're, you're even seeing like women like Sonia Deville coming from MMA. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think we threw out some good names there. Yeah. Uh, you, Nakamura, you, Suzuki, you Shamrock. Yeah. The question was who um, – what are some of the best wrestlers 
that has crossed over from the MMA world. Um, I Ronda Rousey, yeah. I'll, I'll give Ronda Rousey a hat tip. She did fantastic for the year that she was here. You know, she yeah, she 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 picked it up real quick, yep. real quick. Um, yeah, a lot of people compared it to Kurt Angle, who came from wrestling, yeah. but picked up the business, yeah, and how. For wrestle, pro wrestling world. I, I think that's important so too. Like, I, I think there's there's also a conversation to be had about amateur wrestlers or NCAA's like Dolph Ziggler that have come over and been extremely successful in the business. Um, and I would I would also shout out uh, Brock Lesnar. That's I would highlight him more there for coming from collegiate NCAA wrestling or Olympic sure. wrestling into and you throw Chad Gable in there, you throw Shelton Benjamin in there, Dolph Ziggler. It's all interesting of them, actually. Right? So kind of as, as an addendum to this question, you know, you're looking at the MMA world, you're looking at the the college wrestling world, the amateur wrestling world. You know, it's another world, football. The number of guys that have gone into wrestling from football is really high. Yeah. Like there's a lot of ex-football players. In fact, there's a lot of guys for whom wrestling was their second choice. Yeah. You know, football was first. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson, his first, like, he was in, he played football. The U. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gold, Titus Goldberg. Roman Reigns. Bill Goldberg Gold, was Goldberg. The, in 1995 when the Panthers and Jaguars uh, entered their new franchises to the NFL. Bill Goldberg was the first player cut from the Carolina Panthers. There's a fun, yeah. fun trivia fact for you. Uh, and look at what career he had in WCW after, off the back of that. And now 20 years later in WWE. So, uh, Lots of football guys. Yeah. Ron Simmons. I, I think say. that's a Vince thing because they're those are corn-fed big boys coming out of the NFL and, and college football. So that's where Vince yeah. is getting like his size from. When you that's and where still, you find the Baron big Corbin. guys. Baron Corbin was a yep. was a football player. Yep. You know what I mean? Like there's a, they still get a lot from football. Mojo. And yep. it's 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 actually funny how many more football guys they get and how many more amateur wrestler guys they get Roman than MMA. And I Reigns. Think, I, that's why I said. Oh, I said you said Roman. Roman. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, briefly, but but no, that's that's a thing. A lot of football guys, not a lot of MMA guys, really not a lot, um, and that's kind of surprising. At least in WWE, like I said, in New Japan, there's a ton of guys who've been in MMA, who've done MMA or been in MMA. I think it's more prevalent uh, recently. We've gotten Japan, a lot of just, MMA crossover. We're we're seeing it be more. It's accepted. getting more. So, but that's. That's because I think that's because MMA is getting to be bigger. No, I think it's because it's becoming more. It, maybe it's because I, to me it's becoming more accepted for the smaller guys to, like twenty years ago, you couldn't have anybody that wasn't just a giant jack dude, right? Now you well, yeah, that was, now yeah. you're getting more into the Seth Rollinses and the Flyers, and that actually but, opens the doors for the MMA guys a little bit more. But again, MMA, the MMA world was more of the Wild West back then. It wasn't seen, I guess. Mm, yeah. I mean, think about all the work they had to do to sell people on Ken Shamrock. I mean, you know, he visually, you, he walks in, you go, that guy could kick my ass. That guy's you know literally I mean? going to kill somebody. Just, ah! All the screams that he would do when he had you in a submission hold. Good Lord. An ankle lock? I, I, mean, I love Ken yeah, Shamrock. He was, he was legitimately terrifying. Ken follows us, and I, I think he listens to the show. Hi, Ken. Thanks for being a fan. But I mean, like, yeah, and thank you, brother. Um, Conor McGregor, could he come over to WWE? I don't think so. But he, but, but Lord knows he and a lot of other guys in pro fighting right now are taking uh, lessons from the business, from, from pro wrestling. And it's gone all the way back to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He talks smack because he heard Gorgeous George do it. And he says, I watched Gorgeous George talk, talk 15,000 people into an arena with just his mouth. He's like, if he can do that, I can do that. Yeah. 
And so it's been going back for a while, the, that crossover between legit sports, if you want to call it that, um, and, and pro wrestling. And it's still the case. But now MMA is starting to get to that level where you've got these personalities coming out in MMA um, and they're talking people into their matches. Yep. And obviously Conor McGregor is probably the most famous one right now who's doing that. Yep. I, I had high hopes for Kane coming over as well. Uh, I want to throw that one out there. I don't, I don't know yeah, what the Kane deal Velasquez. is. Yeah. I, I don't know what the deal is. Uh, we, we had a uh, turn of the year. He was he got injured. We, he was supposed to... Well, I don't know. But it just I just read something. I think Cejudo was being talked about was going to AEW. Mm. And he did come out in Jericho's posse. Or Mike Tyson's posse. So a couple of those MMA, MMA guys who were in uh, Tyson's posse, keep an eye on them. To me, so uh, to me, I always hearken back to the interview that was given by or to um, uh, Ken Shamrock, and he said, "Who's who's the most dangerous guy in WWE, if not you?" And without hesitation, he said, "Steve Blackman." Oh yeah, that, Steve that Blackman. Was, that could, was common knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. What, what's the what's the apocryphal story about uh, JBL pissing off Steve Blackman in an airport, and the only reason he didn't kick JBL's ass because he tripped over a bag as he was stepping backwards, and JBL escaped in time. But like Blackman was like ready to kill him. Oh, yeah. So good you question. Go. Thank you very much, Yardy. Uh, next up, Jacob asks, "Hello, guys. What are some of the personal fav- up, favorite heel turns or turns that's gotten Ooh. you angry? Like uh, Ian with Kenta. Keep up the great work. Ooh. Stay safe. Thank you, Jacob. Personal favorite heel turns. Ones that have gotten me, like actually gotten me mad. Like I marked out over. Like the, they worked me on it." Um, it had to be when I was younger. Mega Powers, when they broke up. Oh, God, I hated Hogan. And I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to hate Macho Man. But I was like, Hogan's being such a dick. Why are you being a dick, Hogan? And Macho, you carried Miss Elizabeth out of the ring. Of course Macho's mad at you. Why, why are you doing this? That one, that one pissed me off as a kid. Andre turning on Hogan also pissed me off as a kid. Personal favorite turns or turns that got you angry. So personal favorite I really liked 99. Oh, or turns. Oh, so it could be either one? Yeah, or both. You know, one or the other. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. um, I, I loved... I mean, it, it went over... It was one of those lightning in a bottle things, but I mean, heel rock was fantastic. Heel rock was kind of what... When he went heel? Made, like, 99 rock. Just pff, awesome. Uh, that's where all, like, the major... Where he shot to the moon. Um, yes. Turns that got me angry? I have one that stands above all else that I oh, literally I stood up out of my chair and I went, are you effing kidding me at the top of my lungs? And that was Seth Rollins hitting yeah. <laughs> the shield in the backs with chairs. I knew, it. I knew it. One of the greatest of all time. I, uh, I was befuddled. I was mad. <laughs> what are you doing? I was mad. <laughs> wow. Uh, in the chat, Kyle, two bucks. Thank you, brother. Thank he you. says, shout out to Eddie turning on Ray. Oh, yeah. Broke my heart. Yep. The custody yep. of Dominic ladder match. Oh, <laughs> uh, there it is. Yes. Um, favorite heel turns. Uh, I liked Paul Bearer turning on Taker, hitting him with the urn after the, after the uh, boiler room match with Mankind. That was cool. I don't remember, and then, of course, don't remember that led much to, that about that game. one. When was that? That would have been, God, 97, okay. I think. Um, 96, 97, somewhere around there. Let's see. Mankind came over in... Yeah, I guess it would have been 96. I guess it would have been 96. 
uh, with a boiler room match. Yeah, Jay, 90s. that's another good one uh, that we that we probably don't need to get down that rabbit hole. But um, Stone Cold <laughs> turning heel is probably the uh, one of those that I just absolutely hate. I, I, I hate that it. was the dumbest it. decision but I, ever. But I didn't hate Stone Cold. I didn't. I, that wasn't one where I got. I was mad at Stone Cold. I was mad at the company. Yeah. Um, and they brought me. And what's crazy is I actually came around on it because he was so funny. And so good as a heel that I loved it. It's just that everything that came afterwards, and, and like it made no damn sense at the time. Like, why would Stone Cold ever align with Mr. McMahon? That just, it just, it just, it makes no, like, it'd be like He Man one day aligning with Skeletor. Yeah. And you're like, no, that just, that fundamentally makes no sense. Just to do a callback to earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, good one. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, Let's go. Next up, Will. Uh, What if one year ago? I like this. What if one year ago? What if one year ago? I told you a staple of the ruthless aggression era returned at the Rumble, which was then followed by a move to the Raw roster where he was involved in putting tons of wrestlers over and swirling around titles and main event feuds. And to follow, how hard would you have slapped me if I told you that superstar was? MVP instead of Edge. I know Edge is injured and such, but how wild is it that MVP started from a disappointing Rumble pop and evolved into maybe the most important edition of 2020? Rhetorical question heard. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it is it is wild. If you had told me that like two three years ago, hey, remember MVP, the greatest U.S. title holder of all time? Yeah, he's he's going to come back and. He's going to be the thing that gets us through WWE in 2020. I'd have been it's like, absolutely wild. And it, and like we even mentioned, like, like crazy. in the chat earlier, uh, I think it was Esme who said, "Wasn't MVP retired?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, he came back, thought he was having his big out at the Royal Rumble, and all of a sudden they got stuff for him to do." And not only that, this is better. To, I mean, I I liked MVP all right back in back in his day. I'm loving his stuff now. I look forward to mvp segments now that's insane there's a few things going on across the companies that if you had told me a year ago if you told me five years ago was going to happen i would have told you you were a liar and it, it but that's happening now and i'm i'm my mind is blown i'm i'm digging it i'm i'm digging it and it's it's hard for me to crit eh, i want to criticize some of the booking of WWE for being all about kind of the older wrestlers, whether, you know, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy, uh, Big Show and Randy Orton, or MVP and Lashley, uh, and not enough about the younger guys, you know. But I'll be damned if, if obviously, Sheamus and Jeff is another thing. But, dude, Big Show and Randy is damn engaging. MVP and Lashley, damn engaging. And that's, it is surprising as hell. And it's awesome. I agree. Uh, he he is absolutely murdering it's it wild. right now. It's fantastic, and I, I I have to go back because my blood's a little boiling right now. Because, oh no! Because I I'm mad at myself and I'm mad all over again because Jay just reminded me about a turn that had slipped my mind, and I'm mad that I forgot about it. Champa turning Sam on Argano, breaking up DIY. Oh, I thought that was mentioned in the question. No, that is a, that's a great one. <laughs> that's um, another one just like Sam Seth, and- where I just went, what? What? Are you, what? Why? <laughs> Mark Henry salmon jacket, the Hall of Pain. Oh, that's that's one that legendary. That's a great one. Yep, yep. 
Thank you, Jay, for the reminder on that one. I th- Thank I you. Think I'm, <laughs> I'm tingly and mad all over here all over again. Uh, next up, Billy Ooh. asks, good afternoon, my friends. I often find hey. myself asking, what if, in my daily life? What if? What if one thing was different? How drastically would life, my life be different? So my question is, what are some of your biggest what ifs in wrestling? What if Hogan wouldn't turn so Sting had to at bash at the beach? What if Champa mm. didn't hurt his neck? That's a big one, following the last point I was just making. What if yeah. there was no curtain call and Triple H won King of the Ring instead of Austin? What Ooh. if Naito was just strapped instead of going to Mexico or Roman just best brought clean at Mania 31? So what if and how would things be different in your mind? Huh. Huh. What if John Cena never cuts a rhyme in front of Stephanie McMahon and no one finds out he can rap? What if Jim Hurd never takes over WCW, forcing Ric Flair out? Like there's a there's a there's a ton. What if the Montreal Screwjob? What if what if Bret Hart puts over Shawn Michaels clean? Montreal Screwjob never happens. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves the company, goes to WCW on good terms with everybody. What if, there's a there's a bunch of what big if, what, what if Stone Cold never turned heel? <laughs> what if Stone Cold never turned heel? What if what if they didn't botch the uh, uh, yeah? What if what if uh, WWE allowed the invasion to be a legitimate faction and actually <laughs> made that a good program? I like that. All uh, of our answers are just other questions. Let's keep this going. What if uh, Bray Wyatt didn't lose to Cena at thirty? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of what if they didn't lose matches. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of what if, what if the Nexus wasn't buried by John Cena. You know, there's a they could do a bunch of that. What if Benoit never Benoit his family? What if The Rock didn't turn on Farouk in the Nation? We never got and we never got The Rock. Yeah, what if they never let The Rock turn heel? <laughs> I mean, what if what if oh what God. if uh, oh, what if Sergeant Slaughter? What if Sergeant Slaughter never turned heel? Oh, Esme, that's a hard one to think about. I I was oh. a massive fan of Owen. Oh no! I that's a that's a hard one to think about because of because Esme in the because chat. Reasons. What if Owen didn't die? What if Owen didn't die? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah what if man? Good lord. Mm. Um, let's see if some other ones. Yeah. Here. So t- so you were asking what if Naito was just strapped instead of going to Mexico? We would have never had Lij. Is that is that the implication there? Wow, oh, Jesus! There's a lot of stuff we wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's. I mean, and think we, about we all the different things that Lij and has done across the world. Like, I mean, Rush and you know, yeah, everything that came out of that. Wow, that old fashioned. We wouldn't. Well, <laughs> Jay, what wouldn't if, have turned. What if Luke Harper was treated better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. We're gonna put you in Warcraft costumes, and you're gonna you're gonna have giant mouths, and you're gonna be called the the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, because you know. Mallets and hammers, they 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 bludgeon people. Yeah, you're, so you're gonna you're gonna bludgeon people. Because you bludgeon. I can see oh. that pitch. It's funny because you know we we all we all saw the uh, what they were gonna dress the revival up as on their way out, and I still don't know if that's 100 percent legit, but they're selling it like it is. So fine, we'll go with that as the as the story. But after seeing the Bludgeon Brothers, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. That was the most like throwback to the early '90s bullshit I've ever seen. Oh, Craig! And only because they booked them like absolute monsters did that work. But God, that was an awful gimmick. Craig in the chat said, "What if Seth would have never turned on the Shield?" Yeah. Well, what if the initial plan had gone through and the Shield had lost to Cena instead of instead of beating him? You know, 
What if Cena would have uh, been able to turn heel again? It's, it's yeah. rumored that he wanted to. But what if Magnum just, TA had never just gotten murdered his make a wish and his merch sales? What if Andre the Giant had actually taken his gigantism medication? Wow, we could we could do this all day. Yeah, <laughs> we could do this. Uh, Billy, I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, but uh, those are those are some <laughs> of our what ifs. Uh, yeah. yeah. What if what if Triple H? We'll leave it with this one. What if Triple H never left China and never hooked up with Stephanie McMahon? And never kidnapped her and got married to her, right? Never kidnapped. Well, no, I mean in real life. I know what you mean. Not in, yeah. And in kayfabe as well. But yes, thank you, Nick. Yeah. But also, like, what if Triple H and Stephanie McMahon never hooked up? What if Stephanie had actually married Test? What if Stephanie had actually married Macho Man? Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> La- line right. crossed right there. All we're right, going to move right. on. <laughs> okay. That's not one we're going to address here or solve for that matter. Uh, there's only two people that know the real answer to what happened there, and one of them is still with us, and one of them is not. One of them's not. One uh, of them's not. Yeah. <laughs> and she ain't talking. No, she's not. <laughs> no. Uh, thank you very much, Billy. I love doing what ifs. Uh, Uncle Greg. Next, uh, uh, with ratings dropping more and more weekly, is WWE at risk with their contracts? Given what if the, pre- the finger poke of doom never happened? I'm sorry. I'm oh, still going. Man. Go. I'm sorry. Sorry. Given the pre-COVID uh, downward trend, be- I'm assuming you mean beforehand, yep. Uh, will a live crowd be enough to restore the viewership? I worry people will develop the habit of not watching and it won't return. Uh, so to follow on with your thought there, Greg, um, we... Over in the tech industry, outside of wrestling, one of the things that's happening right now is we're being shown how we can do things virtually. So we are, we've been in this motion now for almost 40 years of trade shows and events where we have to go and drop millions of dollars and fly staff around the world and go to these places and invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, into sponsorships to be able to have a booth and then we have to pay to set the booth up, and then we have to staff the booth, yada, yada, yada. We've just figured out we can basically do all of that stuff over a Zoom call. So I want you to think about the internal mechanics of like a corporation that's going, we've got all these millions of dollars now that we've never had before. That's, that's what's going on. So now apply that to wrestling. All of a sudden, you've got a group of people that are forced to wrestle in the same environment from a creative standpoint, they, they don't have to drive all over the place. They don't have to be exhausted all the time with this crazy schedule that they do in WWE. And uh, from a creative standpoint, now on the flip side as well, you've got a corporation that doesn't have to move all this rings and gear and lighting and trons and all that stuff all over the country and the world for that matter. They've all of a sudden got millions of dollars in their pocket. Right? And so they drop half their roster. <laughs> that's, that's another discussion. Oh, but on the fan man. side of it, on the fan side, now you're being shown all of these new ways to consume content like Hulu Live and, and YouTube mm. TV and Sling and all of these new technologies Fox. are coming up, right? Fox app. Yep. So now we're seeing this <laughs> ratings dip because the only thing they really count is cable TV or if you're watching these live, if you're consuming them on demand after the fact, it's it really only counts There's if a you DVR'd it. Metric. Right, yeah, but it's yep. you're right. It's a different metric. So, meanwhile, we're not counting the things that people are actually using. So that's the differentiation here, and why I don't really take the rating. The only people that take ratings really seriously, besides Jericho, are the people that are trying to buy ad space. And that's the problem. Is that's that is also interesting to the networks. The networks do care what you do live. So, and part of and one of WWE's big money 
uh, contracts is with Fox. Yep. And they've been underperforming at Fox. Yep. But can they, when it comes time to renegotiate the contract, when Fox is looking at the numbers, are they saying, well, you know what I mean? This is a pandemic on, okay, fine, we'll allow it. The interesting thing that, that, that Uncle Greg put, said here was, will people leave and not come back? So that's the point I was uh, driving will to they, was that corporations have seen, have been shown the light that they don't have to spend all these millions now. And what we're realizing is we never have to again. Well, but they might have to. WWE wants to get back to normal as soon as possible. And it, it, WWE will be more engaging. It'll be more watchable and more people will want to go out and see it and then get reengaged when the shows are live again. Whoever knows when that's going to be. Will it though? Um, I think that WWE will see some uptick when when crowds come back, both in ratings and in, 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 in interest. Um, but it has been a downward trend for a decade now. And More than part that. of that is the technology. Part of that is technology, but part of that is just, I mean, house attendance is down. Um, engagement is going up, but that's because it never existed before. So I don't know. And this, this, is, an, this, is, a, this is a tough question because there are so many unknowables. There are so many ephemerals out there with WWE, quote, getting back to normal. The whole world is going to get back to normal. There's a lot of things that are never going to be back to normal. Um, and that's because, uh, you know, maybe people found different things to watch. Maybe they stopped being invested in the storylines. Whatever it is, you, he makes a point. There might be attrition just because of changing of habits. Yeah. And then when everything restarts, you, things are different. Um, and it's something that I've lain awake at night in terms of our show, Nick, is, you know, where would we be with our show? Like, our numbers are going up here, and I'm, I'm thank you to everyone who's listening, and we're incredibly grateful for everyone who's sticking with us and listening and, and, and supporting and everything. But I wonder if our numbers would be going up at a faster rate if WWEs weren't going down at the rate they are, if the, the quarantine yeah. really kind of cut our legs off in some ways, too. Um, and if they don't rebound, what that means in some senses for us because of the, you know, just the number of people out there who would be interested in a product like this podcast, like this show. I have to imagine so, it has an indirect effect or a very direct effect on like all the sports are shut down. They're all just now starting to come back NBA, NHL, uh, MLB. Yeah. All, and we've got NFL here in another month or so, uh, hopefully, but they're all just starting to come back. So think about what's been going on for with the ESPNs and Fox Sports and FS West and all of those channels and in thousands of staff and people that the fact that there is no sports is going out. So now you think about shows like Us and What Culture and Cultaholic and Stephen Larson and all like it, it directly has an effect on us as well because the lack of interest in wrestling also means there's a lack of interest in shows covering wrestling. Etc. 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 So all of yeah, it goes down the right. It, it it shit rolls downhill. <laughs> it's basically the, the good old adage of uh, right. shit rolls downhill. So yeah, there is a there is a much larger meta effect that happens um, because of this kind of stuff. I just don't have any faith in Nielsen being accurate anymore as a proper representation of how modern a modern society consumes content. And it, to me, that's the root cause problem. Everything else is irrelevant because of that, right. in my opinion. But it's not a matter of whether or not you are worried about Nielsen. It's a matter of if anybody who's in a position where 
they're looking at cutting WWE from their programming is yeah. interested in that. Like, are they getting the eyes that they need to sell the ads that they need to pay for the bills that they have and to keep their corporation rolling? Yeah, is Fox going to give WWE so, another billion dollars for the Friday night a, 8 p.m. primetime slot? Yeah. Are you giving them a billion dollars for a million people on every Friday? No. Mm, no. That, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I'll leave it at this. We hope they rebound. We hope there's a hunger out there that people aren't that they don't see the crowds, and so that's what's that's what's causing them to not watch. When the crowds are back, when other sports are going, there's a hunger for the sports, there's a hunger for this kind of content that when people when it comes back fully, people will be like, Oh, thank God it's back, and they want to watch and everything rebounds. That's the hope. Will it? No way of knowing. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much, Greg. Great question. Uh, next up, Josh asks, uh, which released superstars do you see succeeding most in other companies? Hope all is well and hoping I can get back to chat soon. Yeah, Josh, we miss you, man. know you're working pretty hard out there. Yeah, man. Uh, which released superstars do you see succeeding most in other companies? I, I got to say it's recency bias, but I have very high hopes for um, uh, Gallows and Anderson. Uh, see, I was going to say EC3. I think well, Gallows both, and Anderson yeah. might – now, their impact contract allows them to go to and from Japan. Yep. I can see them being in, you know, New Japan tag champs within a year, wow. if not less. Carl Anderson uh, could go back and win the U.S. title. So, yes, I think in New Japan. In Impact, they'll probably make a splash, but the problem is, is that how are we determining success? Because Impact isn't really that big of a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. If someone goes to AEW, they're being seen by 700,000 people a week. If you go to Impact, you're lucky to be seen by 100,000 a week. If you go to New Japan, well, you're getting seen by millions of people in Japan. So that's really what I'm looking at. EC3 could go and become the Impact champion tonight. Yep. But is that success? I'd say yes. It's certainly more than he had in WWE. So relatively speaking, that's success. But I'm thinking of everyone that WWE released and who, I mean, those are, we're talking about the ones who are going to have the most success right there. Heath Slater, I don't, I don't think he's going to have a ton of success. He's going to have to go away and like do some serious indies and then come back to WWE like a Drew McIntyre did or a, a, a Jinder Mahal did. The 3MB curse. He's going to have to do that. Uh, I don't see him being big somewhere else. Gals Anderson, EC3, they could be big. Um, perhaps even Mike Bennett because um, he's jacked right now. That dude got in shape. He looks like a champ. Um, but a lot of the other guys, like I just... I, d I don't. I don't see it. I wish Mike would have had a legit run by himself. I feel like everybody was always focused on Maria, but I I I would have loved for him for him to have had a a because he is incredible in the ring, I, and he yeah, looks amazing. So he looks the part. He's he's kind of got the prototype look to him, but I, I just feel like everything's overshadowed by Maria's antics, uh, either in or out of the ring. So, um. What did you say, Kyle? Mike Bennett back in his Ring of Honor days? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mike Bennett with the right push, with the right thing, could have been a John Cena. You know, he was always more of a Miz and Maurice kind of yeah. flavor. You and know, people I don't think are going to do well, Matt Cardona, uh, Zack Ryder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now that, he's probably going to do something really big on social media, but I don't know if he's going to go anywhere and be a big wrestling figure. Nah. He's going to collect wrestling figures. He's not going to be one, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, I think we can nail it down to, to Mike Bennett, Gallows Anderson and EC3 probably being, having the most success out of anyone who was released. Yeah. I, I can't think of any, I'm trying to think of who else, else was released and no one else sticks out in my mind. Uh, the one that I want to have Rusev. an answer for is Rusev. Rusev. Yeah, that's one. 
Like it's fun watching your Twitch streams, Miro, and watching you cook. But I I miss the Bulgarian brute, and I get miss out the, the house, ravishing, do some ravishing Russian at your side, announcing you. I, I just I yeah. miss the way that you debuted. It, you were such a goddamn monster when you came out, and that that's part of it. Is you're looking at guys who are building themselves back up for a wrestling career, and you're looking at guys who are over here playing video games on Twitch and doing podcasts about toys, like. It, it shows you where everyone's focus is at. You know, when Cody left WWE, he had a list of people he wanted to fa- face on the indies. And I know it's a different time now. You can't just go out and, like, no one's running shows. You, you kind of just have to sit at home. But you've got people who are sitting at home making their wrestling character. And you have people who are sitting at home playing video games. Yeah. And no disrespect to Miro. I freaking love the guy. Maybe he's got a plan I'm not seeing. I hope so. But I look at EC3 and the work that he was doing and how hungry he was. Even Heath Slater, how hungry he was. Yep. Mike Bennett, Gals Anderson. And they feel hungrier than like a Matt Cardona or a, a Rusev. So that's, that's, that's the only thing that I'm, I'm thinking in terms of success is who's hungry. Yeah. It's, so, it's visible. You. It's, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people have seen the success that Xavier Woods has had with Up, Up, Down, Down and are going, hmm, maybe I need to diversify as well. And it's, it's not... It, I'm not going to shoot it down. It's it's a fantastic thing. Go over and get some subs and bits on Twitch. That can be a healthy piece of income. You mm-hmm. know, stream once a week and absolutely. You know what? You you've got a built-in audience coming off of your prior right. platform. It's very very smart. I'm I'm guessing a lot of them are getting guidance to do that because well yeah, it's not that Talk they're the best streamers in the world, but that's there's an audience to monetize there. If they look if they how many wrestlers way. are streaming, look yeah. how many wrestlers are streaming yeah. right now. Yep. Thanks, Everyone's thanks looking, Xavier. Everybody. Thanks, Xavier. Seriously. And, and, and Tyler, for that matter. Um, thank you, Josh. Good question. Lots of hope for people that are really taking it seriously and want to get back into the business, for sure. Uh, Jess. Jess O'Connor asks, hello. Oh, it's Obi-Wan voice. Hello there. Hello there. I'll even do the face. Hello there. <laughs> of course I know him. He's me. I have a habit of getting worked easily. Me too. If there's a work mm-hmm. to be had, they get me every time. So that being said, what are some times that you got worked good and we're either mad at yourself for it or not mad at all. Stay awesome, guys. Thank you, Jess. So what's what's the time that you got worked? Work, 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 work. Oh, Jesus. Roman going over Brock at 34, I think. <laughs> Are you talking about the one from the cage where the cage fell off, the wall fell off and... It was the like, one a, where, whose foot touched first? The ref called it, so the ref's call No, stand. that was Saudi Arabia. That was Saudi yeah. Arabia. I'm talking about, like, it was just built up, and it, like, all year we were like, oh, Roman's just going to dethrone Brock at WrestleMania, and then the last second they had Brock beat Roman, beat him to a pulp, leave him with the bloody, you know, the, the bloody crimson mask, uh, and then Brock retains, and we were all just like, ah! That building came unglued. Yeah. I, I vividly that's the part of that that I remember is that that's how we closed the show and that you could see them like walking out before they even they were going to do a dark match or something probably afterwards but everybody was just leaving and booze and just oh my god yeah I, and I'm trying to think like because there's times that WWE were very obviously trolling us like just sitting there going <laughs> and flipping us the bird um you know, with their with their booking, and that's just the one that pops to my head the, the most. As far as like someone actually working me, I mean, Lord knows Jericho's worked me a few times on online, not in not in the ring, not in character as much as online. Like, well, they'll say something, 
online or they'll get into like a little yelling match each other online and I'll be like, oh my God, they really hate each other. Heyman worked you pretty good at the Rumble this year. Heyman worked, oh your God, you're right. Heyman That's one of my fondest memories of of one of us getting worked. To the point that you put the top points in your pick'em's bet on Brock Uh, Lesnar going bell to bell in the Rumble. You know, and recency bias aside, that might have been the most, like, the worst. Because I'm actually pretty good at not getting worked. And I'm, I'm not patting myself on the back. But, like, my record shows with pickums on this show, pretty good at figuring out what they're up to. For the most part, say two out of three times, they Heyman destroyed me. Yeah. I fully admit. Heyman absolutely, absolutely ruined me. Had me so twisted up. Yeah. Worked worked so hard. Uh, oh. oh no, that's not it. Hang on, I just got an email from Fight TV. All right, we got We got to wrap up so we can go watch Slam Anniversary. Oh, uh, yes. A couple more questions here. Thank you very much, Jess. That was a, that was Thank a really you, good Jess. one. Uh, oh God, I'm now going to relive the the feeling of being worked at the Rumble. God damn it. Uh, next up is Esme Pod Papas. Let's play a game. Who's your favorite comedy hey. actor in a serious role? Comedy actors have awesome acting chops and get to shine in certain roles. What are a couple of your favorites? That is, hmm. Comedy actor in a serious role? Can, can I say, so Jim Carrey is one of my favorite comedians. Yeah. And I, I think of show, I think of like Truman Show and Man mm-hmm. on the Moon. Yeah. Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting for me, hands down, oh, far away. Oh like, yeah, that's a good one. Gee, he, Jesus Christ, he's good in that. I mean, Robin Williams is pretty much in any serious role he had. Um, one hour photo, you remember that one? One hour photo. <laughs> yep, yep. Jesus, I, I, I had to check, and I'm like, is that Robin? Is that really Robin oh, Williams? Jesus Christ, that's twisted, dude. Jesus. All right. Um, there's Jim a, Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. Thank you, Will. Yes, that's the other one I was trying to yeah, think Yeah, Jim of. Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Um, ben Stiller in Permanent Midnight. Um, I don't know that I ever saw that movie. Holy shit, it's dark. But it's really good. I mean, I could also throw in... Um, uh, I forget which Wayne brother it was, but the one who was in um, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, Keenan. Keenan. Keenan Wayans. Keenan Irie Requiem. Wayans. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it um adam sandler yeah he's, he's had a couple of good ones. uh that un- if you uh, haven't seen uncut gems from earlier uh, this year it is mwah, it is maybe uh, his best role ever yeah it's just the, make sure the you anxiety got anxiety sort of- for two hours that i felt during that we saw it in the theater uh the anxiety uh, of, of that film just had me in knots by the end of it if you haven't seen uncut you gem cons- yet definitely see it would you consider bill paxton a comedic actor? No, he's, he's not. He's not like like Steve. character actor. He's a character actor. Yeah. yeah. So I can't. I can't say frailty. Um, but I mean that that is a messed up. Steve role. Martin. Steve Martin's got some great serious roles. Um, I don't remember any of them though. I'll do off the top of my head. I know. He did, I know he did some. <laughs> Planes, trains, uh, dirty rotten scoundrels. Those are the ones that I. That was I, one where he's a firefighter. Was that was that Roxanne? No, that was one where he had the big nose. Yeah, it was, it was Cyrano de Bergerac. It was kind of funny, but it was mostly serious. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. We're getting off topic here. Okay, so there was just comedic actors doing serious roles. Yep. We got, a good, we got a pretty, some pretty good ones in there. Yeah, we got some good ones. 
Hopefully that is. Hopefully you are sated, Ismi. Robin Williams and Moscow on the Hudson. There's another one. <sighs> Good one. Uh, next up, Marshall asks, Hello, fellas, with Impact making some waves, what do you think they could do going forward that could be different from AEW and WWE? Thanks again for everything y'all do for this group of Phenomenal Ones. Thank you, Marshall, for being a part of the Phenomenal Thank Ones. Thank you Appreciate very much. Um, uh, what do you think they could do going forward that could be different from AEW and WWE? Ugh, that's really tough. I mean, they kind of have to build their own identity around the talent that they have because they do have a really good talent pool. They have a solid women's division. They have a good tag division. They've got a bunch of singles people that are, even though they've been kind of gutted by AEW, um, they have some solid, solid, solid talent there. But, I mean, they just tried to have a woman's champ and have that stand out, and that kind of fell apart, in part because of the quarantine, in part because Tessa didn't want to come back, and whatever actually happened there, we'll, you know, hopefully at some point we'll know. What else could they do to be different? I mean, I don't. They had so many crazy creative matches in TNA, and some to the point of cartoonish silliness, right? Yeah. But some of those you could bring back. Like, get creative with your matches. Have the, uh, the, the belt hanging over the ring, and you have to climb a cage and jump off to get it, or, you know, like whatever it is, shimmy across the, the poles to get it you know find some find some different like different kinds of matches like that to keep people interested but most of all it's the talent yeah you know what i mean and that was what made tna special back in the day samoa joe kurt angle aj styles you know christopher daniels six-sided ring you know new shit innovate but the six the six-sided ring didn't do it that was just window dressing sure but i mean it was it was was the fact that they were innovating and trying different shit and and i feel like they're not doing that anymore that was that was throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And ultimately, what what stuck? I, the, I really liked the six-sided the ring. Stuck. You know, I wasn't ever into the UFC, but uh, or the octagon, but I, I really thought, oh, that's an interesting concept. Now we've got more turnbuckles for people to bounce off of. Uh, stuff like that is. I, I was a fan of that sort of innovative as- approach to it, trying new stuff, experiment, fail fast. You guys hear me say all the time, fail fast, uh, try something new. If it doesn't work, great, move on. You know, that's that's the so I I feel like they are making waves. I agree with you, Marshall. They're signing new talent. I agree. They've got Tessa. They've got the crazy shit going on in their women's division right now to, to figure out who the next contender is going to be. Tessa. They had Tessa. Fair. Um, but at the same time, I'm sitting here going, yeah, but you've basically got a really good cast of characters. What are you doing to differentiate yourself? And they're not. I, I disagree. Well, we'll to, you know what? Let's revisit this after Slammiversary because I, I really do feel Fair. like we'll, we'll meet everyone in the Discord. Yep. We'll keep talking about this one in the Discord because I really, this is one I, I will argue about that they actually have a cast of characters over there you can build a company around. Tessa leaving is a huge blow because she is a superstar and they don't have a lot of superstars there. I feel Jordan Grace is on the way. I think she's a star. Taya Valkyrie is a star. Superstars, they're kind of short on. Yeah right now so we'll see yep. maybe gallows and anderson will help bring some eyes to the to the product we'll see what they do tonight you know if they reinvigorate ec3 over there that guy is a superstar he could be so we'll find we'll find out in a couple hours yeah here yep. to answer your question i agree thank you marshall and finally yes. mr line drive himself kyle kyle got one in enjoying yeah. the new game ghost of tsushima Yes. So this week I ask if you had to remake a Kurosawa film, 
with wrestlers, what would it be, why, and who would you want in it? Oh, my God. This is probably um, all you. I, I don't know this much about this stuff. So, mm, Throne of Blood with Seth Rollins. That's or. I mean, the easy one to do would be Seven Samurai. And, and casting Seven Samurai would be a lot of fun. You've seen that one, right, Nick? Mm, I don't, I'm not sure. Have you, have you seen The Magnificent Seven? Yes. Then you've seen Seven Samurai. Oh. Same idea, just Japanese village instead of a little western town. The original one, not the shitty remake, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, the idea is you've got this cast of different badass samurai defending a village of hapless villagers from bandit raids right from a bandit group right so you just pick basically seven badass wrestlers um it's funny that, that he that he he asked this question because i just i just bought ghost of tsushima last night and i stayed up until 5 a.m playing it which if i was a little loopy on the shows today guys it's because i was up until until the morning you know being a badass samurai and killing mongols that game is freaking awesome um and it's gorgeous um, so yeah, casting seven samurai would be a lot of fun, but, uh, I, I think it would go for a lot of people's heads. I don't know if they, um, they'd know it. I mean, I'm trying to think who'd be, let's, let's just say Toshiro Mifune alone in that movie. Like the, the, the wild man with the huge Daikatana, I guess it's not even Daikatana. It's a bigger than that. What's the name of the big Katana? I'm forgetting. Um, but he's got the huge Katana to compensate. And he's not really a samurai, but he's pretending he is. And he's just a, a wild man. I'm trying to think who would be good in that role. Tom Cruise. As a model. No, a wrestler. Oh. What are you, where are you at? The last samurai. Oh, my God. <sighs> I'm just being a dick. I'm that, sorry. I hate that movie. Um, oh, I hate it, too, be? but I, when it's on, I can't not watch it. <laughs> Explain uh, that to me. Um... It's Ken beautiful. Watanabe. It's an absolutely Ken Watanabe, oh, and it's a gorgeous, it's an absolutely movie. beautifully shot film. Ken Watanabe is a goddamn super. I love that guy. Speaking of superstars, oh man! And whoever his Who number plays, two is, that looks like Shingo Takagi. Just cast Shingo Takagi. It, right there, you go. <laughs> um, so if if we had to pick seven of New Japan's top. Japanese hey, wrestlers. Why Japan? I'm going. I'm going all Samurai? over. Samurai. So oh. maybe it's a, we're casting Magnificent Seven. Maybe it's it's all over. We're all casting right. wrestlers. We can do whatever we want. That's true. Um, this is our last question. Let's have some fun with it. All right. Uh, so the wild man, a crazy wild man, with a, with who's got like a heart of honor, but is like very rough around the edges. I'm trying to cast it to Shira Mifune. That's really hard because there's a Owens. reason why he's the... Based on what you just described, I, I immediately thought of Kevin Owens. Damn, I'm not mad at that. My initial hit was no, but I'm not mad at that at all. He's not quite like out there and arrogant enough, but like heel Kevin Owens, I'm not mad at that at all. Big heart, rough yeah. around the edges. Yeah. All, all that stuff. Whatever you just described, the first one that popped in my head was Kevin Owens. Yeah, I'm not mad at that yeah. at all. Um, you have like the stoic, super, super. Oh, the, the, there's the leader who I don't even. It's, it's so weird because the archetypes in Seven Samurai you don't see a lot 
in modern wrestling. And that's weird because they do have such good archetypes in that movie. You know, like the the best the best buddy who's just kind of stout and he's always going to be there for you. You have the sword master Dijak. who's like... <laughs> I don't think anyone in that movie is a Dijak. You All could right. maybe pull it off. Well, I'm just going on the description. You have the young, the, young, the young naive samurai who like this is all his first experience of everything kind of like a jungle boy you cast jungle boy as the young guy who falls in love with a villager yeah um i don't know i feel like i'm taking too long with this but that's a lot of fun <laughs> i love kurosawa films as well um the samurai battle at the end of the, or the fight the duel at the end of sanjuro is the greatest samurai duel in the history of cinema fight me come at me final duel in sanjuro you can actually just you can google it look up on youtube Samurai Duel Sanjuro, the greatest. I'll look it up. I'll leave it. I'll I'll leave it at that. But Throne of Blood, Seth Rollins playing Macbeth in, in Throne of Blood. That's the one I initially went for. There you go. Nice, nice. Well, guys, I got some dinner waiting for me, and I still have to go mow the lawn. And there's thunderstorms outside, <laughs> so I got a long night ahead of me. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and guys, then I got to come back and edit, the edit, show. edit the shows. Uh, thank you very much for checking out our patron mailbag Appreciate episode. It so much. Shout out to uh, to the live chat. Thank you guys for hanging with us. We'll see you guys in a little bit in Discord for Slammiversary, and then again tomorrow night for WWE Extreme Rules. So make sure you get into our Discord. You can find links down in the description below or pinned to our social media, which you can find on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Make sure you also get into our Facebook discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open. You'll find our page and our group there. Uh, yeah. And, of course, the namesake of this show, the patron mailbag, is for our patrons. Mm. Thank you guys so much. If you'd like to send you. your questions so in every single Saturday or every single week, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier, and it allows you to get your questions in every week, plus copies of the show notes for every episode, uh, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls, uh, bonus segments, all kinds of stuff up higher, but patreon.com slash BWO is how you do that. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.